Welcome to Feasting on Design. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. This week on the podcast, I'm chatting with Hannah and Kayla from Good Snake. We dive into how they met, the long winding path Hannah took to get into design, how they started working together, deciding on which clients they want to work with, what their process looks like when working with clients, and so much more. This episode of Feasting on Design is supported by the new season of Wireframe a podcast all about how UX can help technology fit into our lives. Hosted by Koi Vin, Senior Director of Design at Adobe, Wireframe is a show for designers and the design curious. Just search Wireframe in your favorite podcast app, like the one you're listening to right now, to find Wireframe. If you like the podcast and want to help support us, head over to patreon.com slash feastingondesign. Every dollar helps us cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. When you become a Feasting on Design patron, you'll get access to exciting Feasting on Design news before anyone else, plus stickers and t-shirts. So please help support the podcast by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash feasting on design. Kayla, Hannah, thank you for joining me. Well, thank Our you pleasure. for inviting us <laughs> on this, yeah, virtual so, conglomerate. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. So, so give me a quick kind of rundown of how you two met and got connected and started your life together. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, yeah. I, well, I don't know where to start. If there's a quick version. <laughs> let's let's rewind eight and a half years. And uh, we'll find ourselves in Nashville, Tennessee, where, Mm -hmm. uh, Kayla, why don't you tell it? Oh, uh, so basically, (laughs) you know, I, uh, I had lived in Buffalo, New York, and it was, you know, Mm -hmm. it was just after the recession and everything. So there was no jobs. I think I worked at like a bike shop and a bath and body works (laughs) and, uh, But I'm like, you know, yeah, I had an opportunity to move to Nashville uh, because my dad had gotten a job and was relocating. And like during the recession, they were going to pay to move all of his shit to Nashville. I'm like, move my shit. So uh, (laughs) they they ended up moving (laughs) to outside of Nashville. And then I moved to Nashville uh, where, you know, I I lived and worked there uh, for like, I guess about two or three years before I met Hannah and then we started mm-hmm. dating. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, I graduated college in 2009 and it was right at the height of the recession. And yeah, the worst time to <laughs> look for a job. Absolute time. So I got a job at a preschool for the first year mm-hmm. out of college. It was the only job I could find And by the end of that year, wiping butts, I was just like, (laughs) okay, get me anywhere as far away from here as possible. So I uh, found a farm to learn about uh, Uh just like sustainable food systems from and uh, and travel. (laughs) Yeah, it's called it's a type of sustainability studies called permaculture. And um And yeah, I uh, went to be on that farm for six months and it was in Israel. And then I like traveled after that and was just kind of like hanging out, spending all of my butt wiping money. 
And um, then I <laughs> I came back to Nashville after that, um, where I was from. And within uh, a few months, I had like met came- Kayla. And then like six months after we met, we like moved in together. <laughs> And, it's called uh, you you hauling it i think is the yeah. the proper term <laughs> yeah and um yeah and then uh after about a year and a half together we moved to portland and well, um, we, we also have to preface that with the fact that i was working at so many shitty restaurant jobs <laughs> Yeah. So there, there, I've been there. I put myself through college that way. Yeah. So I was yeah. just like, I'm like, there's no end in sight here. Uh, because at the time there really, um, wasn't too much of a design community yet in Nashville or anything. That you, yeah. That we mm. were familiar with. And then, yeah. So, yeah. No, that's, that's just really sprung up within the past four or five yeah, years. Yeah. There's like yeah. incredible designers there. And I'm like, what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah, Hannah, yeah. you know, and had when this opportunity. I, when, I, when I was in college, I actually, I studied a whole bunch of different things and did the absolute minimum to fulfill whatever requirements I needed for a major while taking a million <laughs> other types of classes. But my college sure. didn't have design. I had no idea what design was. I majored in German. Um, and I also did not, very <laughs> I, absolutely. I also uh, studied abroad in Argentina while I was in college. So I had, you know, like I had Spanish, I had German and like, what was important at the time to me was like, you have to be able to get your message across no matter what language you're speaking or how well you can speak that language. You have to be able to communicate with mm-hmm. people and so I ended up after, uh, after coming back from the farm, um, getting a job in the healthcare industry doing design, even though I didn't know much about it. I still was like super into it because it was like, oh, I understand that information needs to be translated to the people who need to know it. So I got this job mm-hmm. doing uh, design for different health conditions for lower income and lower uh, literacy populations and um, just mm-hmm. designing information. How do you deal with, um, you know, high blood pressure? How do you deal with diabetes? Whatever. Like, so that's how I got into kind of translating information and making it understandable with images, with words, with how you organize it onto a page. Um, and then meanwhile, sure. when I met Kayla, Kayla is like the most true artist I've ever met in my whole life. And I, yeah, it's just, you can yeah, talk uh, about well, it. Well, yeah, no. And then also correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't what you were doing service design and you had no idea that that's what it was like, what it was called. For, you know, I mean, what it was like a million different, you can yeah. call it a million, whatever like cool name we have for whatever, <laughs> you know, things, <laughs> things are user experience well, names change design. every five minutes nowadays. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, and then I had like, uh, this, you know, family background where my grandmother was like this child prodigy artist at like age 12 oh, in really? Germany. Uh, 
And she like lived through the war, lost everything. Like I actually have, um, you know, uh, art of hers that was done on the back of Nazi propaganda posters that she had ripped down because there was like oh, wow. no paper. So she would just chop them mm-hmm. apart and use them to make paintings while she was hiding in the basement because her house got bombed out. And then, uh, oh, yeah, geez. after the war, she, like, you know, escaped to move to the U.S. Uh, but, um, you know, so art was always in my family and, like, was just, like, a thing that everybody really just, you know, made sure that, like, I had a passion for and I think really fostered mm-hmm. my interest in it, like, you know art supplies, crayons, you know, people are like, oh, wow, you're drawing. Um, and I don't think that's something like uh, that parents a lot of times necessarily want to focus on because they want their kid to be good at math or science or whatever. So I was really fortunate yeah, to have that childhood. And um, like Kayla actually grew up thinking she was going to be an artist when she grew up and like yeah, having that completely <laughs> encouraged. And it's I, like, I it's like it nobody had ever told her anything different. <laughs> Yeah, it was very strange. Um, Yeah. And like, I I thought I was going to work for Walt Disney, but then I found out like he was dead and like chirogenically frozen or something. And I'm like, ooh, bummer. Uh, And that he ran a sweatshop. Kind of tough to work for a dead guy. Yeah. And he's one who runs a, a sweatshop for that matter. Uh, so yeah, then I like, yeah. you know, I, I went to art school and everything, but then the recession happened, you know, I, I lost all my scholarships. Um, you know, I grew up in a very oh, middle-class hardworking family. So like there was just no family mm. money to be had. So, um, yeah, I try, I was trying to go back to school. I was in Nashville and that's where I met Hannah, but then, you know, I had to drop out again. It was too expensive. So I had to, you know, find my passion elsewhere. So that's kind of how we met. Cause I think we, we were both very creative people and, you know, we're like, we're just going to make this happen. And, uh, yeah, that's when we moved to Portland. <laughs> gotcha. And and you get to Portland and you're working shitty restaurant yeah. jobs. Discovering your passion is not shitty restaurant jobs. Exactly. Um, <laughs> when, when did you two start working together? Uh, well, Hannah had gone back to school to try to do her master's, uh, in something completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Hannah, I don't know how much you really want to speak on that or. If yeah, it's I thought I wanted to be an acupuncturist. And so that's a random it one. It was super random. Really what I didn't realize at the time was I thought I wanted to work for myself and, uh, I knew that acupuncturists a lot of the time didn't fit in like uh, traditional jobs, like just workplaces. So I was like, cool, well maybe I should just try and do that. Um, but then I was miserable. Um, it just, it, it, you know, I went in there super excited and like, you know, I had this whole background in like natural living at that point because it was all like, Oh, Mm. sustainability, the farm that I was on, like, you know, I really cared about food and like had this really strong belief of like, um, the food that you eat kind of like relating, like how, you know, and having worked in design for health, public health the past Mm -hmm. few years, like I had this strong, like feeling that like, you know, the healthcare system that we have right now isn't working for a lot of people. And I need to learn other options in a really structured way. So I went for a master's Mm -hmm. in, in uh, Chinese medicine. But once I got there, the first year I was like, 
Oh man, I'm stressed out. Like this is this is frustrating. Like I don't know, it's just frustrating. And then the second year, I was like, wait, I don't have to. I could just stop. <laughs> so I stopped um, after the second year. Um, and like, uh, yeah, that was that was like really hard to quit. But I'm really glad I did. Sure. But um, the second year that we were in Portland was when Kayla was able to finally quit her her primary shitty restaurant job, which was actually a brewery. Um, <laughs> I, I had four shitty rest- restaurant jobs at that point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. But that one, that, I mean, the end of my first year of acupuncture school was the year, the moment that we were like, okay, I think Kayla is like getting enough traction to where she can quit like everything and just do this because all of the creative work that you're doing is like actually what's like your day job is distracting you from the job that actually is making you money, which is the creative work. Um, so, yeah, and that's like a tough decision to make, um, you know, where you're at that crossroads where you're like, wow, I can do one freelance and even just like one freelance Craigslist project would be more than like two entire full-time weeks of working at like, at the time I was working at a brewery and a food truck and like doing a side hustle and all this other stuff. And I'm like, that really says something, but it's so scary and terrifying. We're, we're taught that we need to have like a reliable job and like, you know, check all the boxes. Stable structure. Yeah. And yeah. So like health insurance, exactly. and, which I do recommend health insurance. I know, right? Right. <laughs> so yeah, we I I had to make that decision, and I'm you know it really was uh-huh. a no brainer, and yeah, I, I had Hannah on board, you know, being like, you should do this, mm-hmm. um, because I I, had I mean like we were it. we were so broke either way, it like really yeah. didn't matter which way we were broke, so it was just kind of like well, I mean at least you'd be. Ha- happier if yeah. we were just happy and broke you know. or uh, and broken happy is better than broken miserable <laughs> yeah. exactly and like and that's not to say there's anything wrong with like you know having your shitty restaurant jobs because like you know um you know there's a lot of people who are you know service industry pros and that's you know not what i'm saying at all like oh you shouldn't work at a restaurant or anything because a lot of people do that and they have their side no hustle. but you've you've got to be cut out for yeah, it yeah exactly yeah totally and a lot of people do that and like it, it works super well for them. And, you know, I, I wish I could do that, but I, I couldn't. I was juggling like too much and, you know, wanted to do something different. And I think that's kind of, yeah, yeah, when we made that leap. Gotcha. So you make that leap. What? And I was, how are you? I, was, uh, <laughs> I, I really embraced this whole idea of like, well, Kayla's an artist and she really probably like, I noticed that she's not answering emails quickly. Like she's sharing issues with her clients where like, I feel like I have the right answers. And so I just kind of like hijacked the, like <laughs> the, the, all the logistics of what she was doing. I was like signing the emails, Kayla. Like I was keep, I was keeping her schedule a lot more organized. I was like, I basically became like a manager, but like it was also like Kayla didn't ask me for this. I just kind of did it. And I decided like, you know, we made it an LLC. Like we made, we just kind of like, 
I just kind of helped and like super, super charged my helping because it was really fun and sure. exciting. And, um, after that ye- first year of Kayla doing that full time and me helping and like, it was literally like, we only had one car. And like, if I wasn't in school in a, like at any given time, I would come with her to a client meeting. She would ask me to come (laughs) and like, we would be talking with clients as if we were both working on things, (laughs) but it was just Kayla. And like, it was really ridiculous if we think about it. (laughs) She, I mean, we're pretty codependent, but she would be like painting a mural and, and I would not want her to like fall off a ladder. So I would be standing at the bottom, like holding the ladder for her the the whole time. And like, if she really needed something, filled in that was pretty straightforward for a mural like I would grab a paintbrush and like fill it in for her so it was very Mm -hmm. uh we we collaborated a lot but it was Kayla's thing it it came about organically yeah yeah it did um I I think that's like most couples though do that and then they don't acknowledge that their other partner is actually doing a whole bunch of work but I think the difference is I'm like Mm -hmm. oh yeah credit where credit's due yeah this is Hannah she works here too whether or not she actually does like yeah totally like yeah 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 well that's how my wife and I kind of started because my wife's a designer as well and we were it wasn't until October of this past year that we officially started, officially started working together. We would do freelance projects that we were collaborating on and, you know, because I had a full-time job at that Mm. point. So a lot of time it was, I was doing the client communication and she was doing the actual design work stuff and things like that because I could fill in, fit in client communication on my lunch break, or I could go take a walk around the block for 10 minutes and typing furiously i'm i don't know why i just did that you can't see me um, doing it, but i'm typing with my thumbs on the uh on the imaginary phone there um so we started doing it that way and then you know october of this past year we made it official that we were going to start working together so. awesome. yeah that's amazing i, I completely Congrats. understand how that organically develops yeah. thank yeah. you so we picked the worst timing for <laughs> totally. it of course well, because you know or the best yeah. Depending on how, or, or the best. I'm hoping that it ends up being the best. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So after that first year of Kayla doing that full time and me helping and me in that year realizing that maybe acupuncture wasn't where I wanted to put all of another, it, the, pro, mm-hmm. the master's program that I was doing was two, two more years supposed to be. So I was like, Okay, let's not. And then once I decided to drop out of that program, I had, you know, like we had the option to leave Portland. We were like, oh, well, there's nothing really that's forcing us to stay in Portland. And while this like business could continue to grow here, like it was it was growing like we had made profit in the first year and or first full year and profit even when juggling (laughs) other jobs the year before. But like we were like, you know, we could continue to grow and it would grow like Kayla was becoming a tiny little Portland Instagram celebrity, like minor, but still there. <laughs> and like it was it was going somewhere or we could see what other options there are elsewhere. And since mm-hmm. money wasn't like a 100 percent, hey, we're doing great. Um, someone here in Austin offered Kayla a job to do the same work, same type of work she was doing in Portland in Austin. Mm-hmm. And we were like, 
okay, that sounds good. Like, let's go to Austin. So we yeah. did. Mm-hmm. And um, you, do you want to pick it up from there? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I ended up working for another studio um, for about nine months. But yeah, it ended up like that. Uh, the person I was working for ended up being like a super abusive boss and just like an awful person to work for. And it like, yeah, it really just like screwed up my perception of like, you know, working for your heroes and then you meet someone in real life. I've had a few guys. Yeah. And then you see all these like nasty parts of them that, you know, the whole rest of the world doesn't see. And you're like, Whoa, I'm being gaslit. And like, you know, yeah. So I, yeah. And that whole time I, I was a barista. I was a legal assistant. We did what we needed to do to make ends meet. And the whole time I'm like, Kayla, this is really bad. (laughs) You should get out of there. And then finally, after nine months, she was like, okay, let's do this. Like, and she like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, basically like this person has a personality disorder. (laughs) I need to get out. This is not good. Um, But I was still so bent. I'm like, I I very much like to keep my commitments, have follow through, finish stuff. So like, you know. Because I hadn't finished. Yeah. So you had a good work yeah, ethic. Yeah, so I had like yes. a really great work ethic, but I'm like, ah, this is not good for me. So I just, you know, hightailed it out of there. And um, and she hit the ground running. Yeah, and just kind of started yeah. to like mm-hmm. aggressively rebuild my client base independently in Austin. And luckily, uh, people liked our work, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and yeah. so I was like a barista for like a few more months. And then finally it was just like busy enough where I was like, okay, cool. And then I quit that and then jumped Mm -hmm. in full time helping Kayla again (laughs) and then officially joined in like within a year. Like then it was like, Oh, this is Hannah. Mm -hmm. Like I can sign emails from me also and not just Kayla, which she was never not allowing me to do, but you know, like I just, (laughs) It felt, but you felt weird about it. It felt weird. Um, and then, yeah, now it's been three years, two years as good snake, (laughs) like officially as good snake. I mean, like before many name changes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But so how did you decide on the name good snake? Uh, we wanted to kind of pick something that was an umbrella for like, we're, we're just like what you would call, I guess, multi-potentialites. We're constantly developing what our business means. Um, you know, it used to be more like wayfinding and sign painting focused. And then, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've always been an illustrator, but I, I would just keep putting that on the back burner until I really realized like, uh, illustration is my passion. How can I fit this in there? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we wanted more of an all-encompassing studio for all kinds of things that we do. And before the name was uh, in Portland, it was called uh, Ghost Sign Studios. So it was like a play on a ghost mm-hmm. sign and it had like a ghost as a logo. Mm-hmm. But then we realized it was too hard for people to say. So then I did It sounds uh, like Go Sign Studios. Like go, go. Yeah. But, and then, uh, then it was, well, I think it was uh, Fritz the Sign Painter. Because I was like, ah, ha, ha, Fritz the Cat. My last name's Fritz. Yeah. And then I then I tried to make it fancier and be like KM Fritz signs and murals. Uh, you know, try to be like JK Rowling <laughs> or something uh to see if um kind of uh <clears throat> excuse me, that um I I was worried how people were perceiving the fact that, you know, 
it was a woman owned company and there's definitely, you know, rampant mm. sexism in the design community. No, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I tried that out for a while. Um, but then it, that made it even more confusing and it, it made it more about the clients because they'd be like, I, I talked to a man on the phone. Uh, there's a man. What's the dog barking at? So sorry, we can't have the mailman. <laughs> He's like part hound, so it's just like the worst every time he starts. Uh, I He's heard like, the hound. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so we wanted to, uh, you know... Have have a name that reflected both of us. So yeah, originally, and then we did Cam for or neither of us, or neither of us, right? Like we wanted it to not have any name association. We wanted us to be kind of equal. We wanted it to be able to mean anything to anyone. Like you, you know, good snake. What it means nothing. So we liked that. If we have an idea in five years, we can just like incorporate that in, like. Um, just whatever, whatever comes up in the future is whatever we want to do. We want to evolve with the times. Yeah, and also like, it's a guy. really, what'd you say? We had been using that little snake guy the entire time. Like this little doodle, the yeah. snake holding a paintbrush. Um, yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. I interrupted your thought there. I just remembered. <laughs> well, I was just going to say it's a really good, uh, opportunity to release good snacks eventually. So <laughs> <laughs> whenever yeah. i figure out there what the snacks will be yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah well i mean they've got to be something healthy and organic based on your background <laughs> yeah i know right we gotta like really we're not as them. healthy and organic now we're you know it's hard to <laughs> do that to in evolve. texas well i mean you can do really unhealthy and organic too yeah. it's, it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so true. we've all seen organic the organic version of doritos whatever they're called but <laughs> it's so true yeah or like yeah like, that is not good for you <laughs> or the taco bell vegans you know i mean hey <laughs> i used to be one of those <laughs> oh oh man i uh, i can't do taco bell anymore after I heard a story from my friend of he went to go to Taco Bell and they couldn't uh, they couldn't get him tacos because there was a problem with the the meat gun. Um, what was it? The, <laughs> yes, the meat gun. That's hilarious. Yeah, no, we had a friend say the same <sighs> thing where he's like, I want to get a grilled stuffed burrito. And they're like, oh, with beef. And he's like, yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah. Sorry, sir. Our meat gun is clogged. <laughs> and it, it was. Yeah. I'm like, I'm yeah. imagining a cock gun. <laughs> I don't know. To me, that's not a deal breaker. I don't know why, but like, you know, it's the most efficient tool for the job. Like I get it. So yeah. I didn't picture the cock gun. I literally pictured like a garden hose with a spray nozzle on the end of just going through the tacos. I really wonder how many focus groups they had to have to come up with that. They're like, all right, so here's what we're going to do. Yeah. They need to have a focus group on ex- not ex- not telling their customers that it's a meat gun. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can have one, just don't disturbing. tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. There's that too. <laughs> yes. So uh, I forgot where I was going after the meat gun. Um, yeah. So you, you've come up with the name Good Snakes. So Good Snacks. You were talking about Good Snacks and I made the joke. But I, I do want to talk to you because you guys have done a lot of – um, designs for the food and beverage industry. And I, I wanted to 
see how you guys stumbled into that. Oh gosh. Uh, I don't even know how that originally started. Do you know? (laughs) Yes. It's because we like to eat and we have a lot of experience (laughs) eating out. And uh, when most of what we were doing was signs and murals, then there was a lot of, you know, if you spend a lot of time somewhere, you know how like a thing works, like a place works, a user experience Mm -hmm. is like, you know, could better work. So we would go places and like, oh my gosh, I can't find the bathroom. Where's the bathroom? Um, if you have to interrupt a server from whatever they're doing and be like, how do I find the bathroom? That's taking time away from them being efficient and doing whatever they're mm-hmm. supposed to be doing. And, um, and so it's a perfect opportunity to pull someone aside and be like, hey, I can help you be more efficient. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, I also think too, it's, um, everyone's like, how do I get clients? How do I get clients? Um, it's really, it's about who, you know, and you get to know people by being out and about in the industries and people see you and you know, you're, you're mm -hmm. a regular face. That doesn't mean you have to like spend thousands of dollars of going out to eat every day. Um, but people, you know, it makes more sense when you could really understand the product and understand, you know, the environment. And it's just this whole package deal that people don't even really think about when it comes to like experience design or like wayfinding is that you actually have to be Mm. in there to solve the problem as a good designer, I think, because so many people can like, yeah, you can slap something up there to be like, to really understand the needs of a client and to present that to them, they're like, wow, like you're really thinking about this on a personal level with me. Like, yeah, I would love to hire you. And it's all about making those personal connections. I think if, uh, you know, you want to have really a a successful kind of build a fan base that way, I think. And it's word of mouth too. Like, you know, if one person trusts your work and trusts you as a, as a, collaborator then they'll tell their friends about you so yeah it's all about actually being a member of your community and not just like hiding in your house being like why am I not getting any work like you got to be out at you know saying hi to people (laughs) meeting people going to events like just you know talking to people about what you do asking what they do and you know just being a human and you know it's so easy to forget about that when we have Netflix and we can just stare at Instagram all day (laughs) sure which is fun sometimes. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and we all do There's nothing wrong it. with that. Yeah. But, but it's tough to make a career out of that. And I, and I think, too, um, working all of my, quote unquote, uh, shitty restaurant jobs actually gave me so much insight into that industry because I know exactly how a restaurant functions and who are the people you should be talking mm-hmm. to. And that the decision makers are not the higher ups. They're actually the, the regular people in the normal positions who have the most power and can, you know actually, you know, bring you to the top decision makers. So it's all about, you know, you never know who you're talking to or who they might be later mm-hmm. on. So you better be nice to everybody. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of how we broke into it. Yeah. Like the, you know, gotcha. today's sous chef is tomorrow's, you know, executive chef, you know, it's some other restaurant or, like, or, or possibly restaurant owner. Yeah. yeah. So, and I know a lot of people, who I worked with, you know, a decade ago, just at, you know, flipping burgers, uh, they went on to, uh, several of them went on to make their own restaurants. And a lot of them are very successful. And a lot of them even, 
uh, did product development and, you know, made some products that you actually see on shelves in stores now. So, uh, you know, you never know where Mm -hmm. someone's going to end up. And it's really all about keeping your connections open uh, because there's a lot of possibility, even more than, you know, all the avenues we think when it comes to design and being a creative. When, when it comes to that, is that something that came naturally to you or because I know a lot of artists are fairly introverted and, <laughs> you know, like you said, want to look at Instagram and Netflix all day. Um, were, were you kind of naturally drawn to connecting with these people or, or did it evolve over time? I mean, I know for me, I think, I think it's definitely a muscle. Um, what, what would you yeah. say? I think we're people, people, like we definitely (laughs) get energy from like connecting with people on a more, Mm -hmm. uh, human level. And yeah, yeah. I feel like it comes pretty naturally. It doesn't, it doesn't feel great to be salesy. So like, we're just Mm -hmm. not like, we're not salesy, but like we do like, we do genuinely like, I hate inconvenience. And if I see somebody else who's being inconvenienced by anything, or if there's some process somewhere where it's just like choppy or not working as efficiently as I know it could, I want to help people. And that's Mm -hmm. like a genuine thing that I want. So, um, yeah, I feel like people like it when other people can just help them. Like, uh, you know, not always, but, you know. And if I were to like piggyback on the whole uh, salesy part is on the flip side, I think a lot of people expect this uh, whole traditional way of approaching design where they want to be sold to. And there's so much of that. And we're Mm -hmm. here to like streamline things for our clients, save them money. Like there's just so much bloat and unnecessary like spending and money and justification of things you don't need in the design industry where people are getting... Mm -hmm sold these insane packages and then they never come back, you know, but if you sell them exactly what they need that serves a purpose, they're going to keep spending money with you. And that's what people don't realize. Like they think they have to force people to get this big package of things they won't necessarily use or don't know how to use and kind of drop it on them. And more and more like, you know, this is buildable branding. It should evolve. Like you don't get one thing and keep it forever anyway. So why not keep evolving your brand as a living, breathing organism? And that's more how we treat it. And it's it's really, uh, I think, disarming to a lot of people that from the get-go, we're not like, all right, you need this, this, and this. And we've even had people like almost try to get us to sell to them. I'm like, I mean, if you don't want to, if you don't want to work <laughs> with us, it's fine. Like, I really don't care. <laughs> like, I, I don't, you know, we have a thousand, I mean, not like a thousand, but we, we have all these people who already love what we're doing and are totally chill with our process. And I, I don't need to force anybody to do anything they don't want to do. Not about that. So yeah, people are like, wait, mm. what? <laughs> you don't, you don't want my business. I'm like, I would love to have it, but I don't need it. Like, and that's how we should approach this. Is that like, it's like, (laughs) it's like dating. Like when you, when you like have a really good connection and chemistry and you have somebody who's actually like excited to like work with you and and, Mm -hmm. like just work, like get into a project project with you and they feel invested, like, and you can see it, like you can just feel it in every interaction. There's like respect and there's like, humor and there's just like 
it's just a connection. Like, and then there's like somebody new who's just like, make me, make me laugh, make me laugh right now. Like, you know, like whatever, like do this thing for me. Like, obviously there's a difference. I don't know what I want. I'll know it when I see it. And I'm like, no, this isn't going to (laughs) work. No. Yeah. That's not how it works. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. We were just cracking up because we were watching that movie, uh, about Brian Wilson. It's called, um, love and mercy about Brian Wilson from the beach mm-hmm. boys. And there's this scene where he's like in a recording studio, like walking around with a, I think it was a tuning fork, right? Kayla. I don't know. Yeah, like I can't quite maybe remember a, something. And he was like walking around and being like, I just, the vibe isn't right. The vibe isn't right. It doesn't feel right. We have to, we have to cancel. And then everybody else in the room is like, dude, that's like a, like you, you have to pay all of the musicians who are here today. Anyway, that's $5,000. Like you're losing your money. Like he's like, I don't care. The vibe isn't right. It's not going to work out today. Cancel. And it's like, that's sometimes how we feel like when when a bunch of people, like when it just doesn't work right, you already know it's not going to work right. And you know, it's going to be like pulling teeth the entire time. Like, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of people ignore that feeling and it just ends up being a sour interaction for everybody. So yeah, just don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe don't take the Brian Wilson approach and be yeah. a little bit more business on it. But, Absolutely. You know. Yeah, no, there's definitely something to like... Finish the project out yeah. and then... Exactly. <laughs> this episode of Feasting on Design is supported by the new season of Wireframe, a podcast all about how UX can help technology fit into our lives. Hosted by Koi Vin, Senior Director of Design at Adobe, Wireframe is a show for designers and the design curious. This season of Wireframe leans into how design intersects with the changing world around us. There are stories about how user experience design helps people manage stress and sleepiness, find something good to watch on an online streaming service, help individuals, creators, and social causes through crowdfunding, and more. It explores how design helps older family members understand technology, and the podcast also chats with designers trying to make voting easier. Turns out, it's really hard. You'll hear from designers and design leaders who have built UX and UI experiences for companies like Headspace, Patreon, Kickstarter, Withings, and other companies that are putting design at the forefront of their company's experience. Whether you're into UX, UI, technology, or just curious about the way design impacts our everyday lives, I hope you'll check out the show. Just search Wireframe in your favorite podcast app, like the one you're using right now. I'll also include a link in the show notes. My thanks to Wireframe for supporting Feasting on Design. I'm a huge fan of Design Cuts. It's an exceptional marketplace with highly curated, top-quality products and a wonderfully engaged community of creative people. They are constantly running incredible specials on bundle packs of design assets and fonts for up to 99% off the regular price. Their products are some of the best out there, and their customer service is top-notch. If you head over to feastingondesign.com slash designcuts, you can check out their latest bundle pack at an exceptional discount and help support the podcast. If you haven't tried Webflow yet, when building a website, what are you waiting for? Webflow is a great no-code alternative to WordPress. You get so much more control over the design of the site compared to your traditional templated no-code sites like Squarespace or Wix. Give it a shot on your next site. Visit feastingondesign.com slash webflow to sign up for your free trial today.
you, you mentioned your process. Kind of walk me through your process of when you're, when you get a job in and you're working on something of how you're, how you naturally evolve things between the two of you. Uh, so we definitely have an entirely different process than uh, the traditional studio model because we hate that. And, uh, you know, I've, you know, I've been in that and I, I know it goes into it. Um, and I, yeah, we don't think it's right because we're all about, you know, ethical guidelines. Uh, so, yeah. uh, yeah, Hannah, if you want to jump in too, um, yeah, we just initially, you know, somebody contacts us and, uh, you know, we're, we're first off, we want to know, you know, what do you want? The, this starts off with mood boards, things like that. Uh, we, we never just start off where they're like, I don't know. Um, if you don't know, you can't be talking to us from the get go. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. Hannah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think our process is just very, uh, focused on what the end goal is. So like, yeah. um, mm-hmm. for, for anything, it's like, it's less about for, you know, we'll deal with the process. We'll walk you through it, but it's just like, you know, it's not about, I need a t-shirt like, or I need a, <laughs> a menu. It's like, what do you actually like? Oh, okay. Like the, the end goal is I need to whatever, like I need my, my customers to, to have a better experience in my restaurant or whatever. So like, mm-hmm. how do you go through it? So like what our, our process pretty much is, is just going through whatever situation our clients are in from the customers, the user's perspective. So mm-hmm. it's just like, we do a lot of thinking from like, who like what would just the traditional experience be for a person walking in and then we just try and like nail down the details from there so yeah and Hannah Hannah ends up being I think more of the strategy side of things and uh while we're both Mm -hmm. designers in different ways uh yeah, I end up kind of being more of the visual, but we have a lot of overlap with what we do. So we'll kind of, you know, go in and out of how much we're interacting with our client, depending on what their needs are. And um, so they might only get me for a project or they might only get Hannah or they might get both of us for different aspects. Uh, but, you know, first and foremost, we want to know exactly what they want. They need to have some idea because uh, or like some kind of inspiration. They have to have likes, like even if it's like, what are your favorite colors? What kind of restaurants? Like it could be, we may have them make the wackiest mood boards out of like just whatever they like. And yeah. And we make them, we make them do their own mood boards. Like we make them gather. How does that work? We just make them find at least 10 images that they like. And it can be anything. It can be fashion. It can be color combinations, like buildings, whatever. We just make them send us things that they like. We don't make mood boards for our clients. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and they, that's an interesting. Yeah, and, and you'd be so surprised uh, how much you can learn about a person just based on them getting the free reign. Because uh, a lot, most people don't really get much time if they're hiring a designer themselves to be a creative person. So it really allows them to be invested in their own process rather than you know, just sitting back and waiting for the design to happen to them, they feel like they're really involved and that makes them care so much more about communicating 
because they're part of it. They get to, you know, make a mood board. They get to, you know, you know, give feedback. And it feels very much like they're on the team, too, rather than, you know... Uh, they're key players. It's not just two. They're key players. Another thing about our process is that we force our the decision makers to be in the room or on, on the meetings or everything from the beginning. Like, basically, if someone's, like, assistant is the one contacting us, we're basically like, cool, let us know when your boss is ready to talk. Like, I mean... In a, in a nicer way, but it's like, um, the less middleman <laughs> conversations there are, the better for us. So it's like, sure. okay, when everyone can be in this conversation and we can all be fully invested, then like, sure, we can figure this out in a 15 minute phone call rather than like, uh, you know, 20 emails back and forth. So that cuts out a lot of the waste <sighs> is like, we, we don't have, any middlemen from Good Snake, like it's either me or Kayla or both of us. So we are the bosses and that's it. And then there's also, we don't really um, give our clients much opportunity to bring in middlemen. We want the, yeah. whoever gets to make the choice is the, per like, you know, there's no, I'm going to check with my manager. There's no design by committee. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that cuts out a lot of like, wasted time that we've kind of observed mm. in other other jobs or positions that we've been in um and then the other thing is that most of the time anytime that we kind of have the power to do so we make our clients pay us in advance before like the full full uh payment oh, really? yeah we do a retainer yeah, we call it a retainer because it is a retainer. Um, you know, you hire a lawyer that way. You, why wouldn't you hire any other professional that way? Like, um, mm -hmm. yeah, we know, we know so, how long something's going to take, like, you know, <laughs> and, uh, it, it you want the thing in. for me. So, you know, if you want the thing for me, then, you know, you'll need to pay my bills while I'm making the thing for you. So it's <laughs> whatever. Well, yeah, because then it's equal ground and then no one gets to uh, have leverage over you for unreasonable demands, which always happens, always, um, sure. especially if, if with larger companies. you don't companies. get a retainer. If you, do, yeah. if you do get a retainer, it's the client is invested and it's not a hypothetical project. They're like they're they're fully in. So then it's mm. it's allowed to actually happen as if it's real and not as if it's oh, I'll know it when I see it. And, you know, that kind of mentality. Um, so, yeah, that's... Yeah, and, it, and, and it does force them to participate. It just does. <laughs> and there are, like, yeah. situations where it's, like, a really big project. And if it's, like, a super big project that it'll take months to, to do or longer, like, then we let it be broken into chunks so that... Because, you know, you're never going to do a whole project that's a bigger one, like in, in a few weeks. So cool. We'll do like sure. the first phase and you'll pay us for that. And we'll complete that phase. And then we'll do the second phase and you'll pay us for that. And you'll complete, then we'll do the phase and so on and so forth. But like in general, um, yeah, that's kind of been where, you know, we didn't do that like the first few years, but we've been doing that now for a couple of years. Yeah, and no one has ever had a problem good. with it. Like, uh, and that's the thing. I really do think all designers could do it that way. Um, because yeah, none of our clients hmm. have ever had a problem. They're like, Oh yeah, of course it's reasonable. We have a contract contract protects everybody. 
everything's in writing. Like yep. there's, there's nothing scary about it and people feel really comfortable and it forces them to participate. So yeah, I would love to see more of that. <laughs> we do, we do a 50, 50 split mm-hmm. and have a contract. So it's 50% up, which I think is kind of steep. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's, that's an interesting approach. I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, I w- so I want to talk to you guys about Instagram because a lot of designers are using Instagram and posting the work that they've, the client work that they've done. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not that there's not client work on yours, but the vast majority of it is not client work. <laughs> um, and, and, and if you go to your website, there's not, you don't have really any examples of the work that you've done on no. that. So how, <laughs> yeah, which I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing no, by no. any means. Um, and, how, because I think we, trying to figure out how to phrase this, I think we all get told, show the work that you mm-hmm. want to make. And, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that you're putting up there is, yes, it's stuff that you want to do, but it's not necessarily the work that you want to get paid for. So how are you... Yeah. <laughs> How are we getting clients? How are you attracting new clients? That's what he wants yes. to know. All oh, of our so, clients yes. pretty much are word of mouth. That's literally like one person was happy with us and then they told their friend and then they told their friend and then they told their friend. There's a lot of happy people. Um, um, we kind of follow uh, what one of our Australian designer friends, uh, Tom uh, Cransom does. Uh, I think it's his studio is called Tamau Design now, but he doesn't show any work on his website at all. And that's because what you show, whether or not you want to show your work, but it will limit you and people will cherry pick from what you show them. And that's the work you're going to be doing forever. So if you do a beer can and one person sees you do the beer can, you're going to be beer can artist. And that's just what happens. Uh, so what he does is he has like, you know, if people want to request specific examples of work, then he can pull what he feels comfortable with showing for that client and give them a curated portfolio. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of what we do because I don't, there's a lot of stuff that like nobody gets to see, but maybe would be relevant uh, for a specific client. And, um, you know, so we try to show the types of work that we want to do and that we're proud of and, um, you know, anything else, uh, you know, if they really want to work with us, they will. (laughs) Kayla is her own content farm. Like, so she, (laughs) like, there's, there actually is a lot of artwork on our Instagram, but it's so, Mm -hmm. like, behind so much of just the content that Kayla's pumping out because she's a creator. Like, she just is constantly making new shit. So she just had, you know, like, you just, it's hard to find the paid stuff because Kayla's got a lot of opinions Mm -hmm. and she, I mean, I do too, but like, Kayla has, uh, you know, an actual physical product that she ends up with when she has opinions or feelings or whatever. And I'm just like, I'll just talk about it. You know, some of the captions are my, well, Mm -hmm. a lot of our stuff is from both of us or mine too, but like, um, but no, Kayla draws a lot and she likes to share stuff on there. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of designers, uh, get so wrapped up in that. You have to have this sparkly, perfect portfolio and that's the only way anyone's ever going to hire you. But it's a full package, like, you know, who you are and who you are to the community and what you do for your community. And, uh, that I think speaks so much more to, uh, you know, how you're going to get hired because, 
people want to work with people who make them feel good too. It's not just about like, Oh, I like their whatever. And, um, but yeah, we found that just like having a portfolio, people would just make me do stuff I didn't want to do just because, you know, it was something that my client wanted. And I, you know, and then I would just, I'd get Mm. stuck and put in this, uh, you know, I don't know, square peg round hole situation. Um, especially when I was doing a lot of sign painting, um, yeah, people made me like, oh, this is a sign painter person. I'm like, well, I, I do lots of other stuff. And then I was, you know, taking on all this mm-hmm. physical labor and not really having any time to focus on my design and illustration. So, yeah, I, I think curated portfolios are where it's at. Um, and just showing the work that you want to put out in the world, even if you did do a big project, um, you know. Or just I, showing personality because people mm-hmm. like, you know, if if you have like a really designy Instagram, like maybe a lot of designers will appreciate it, but are your, are your target clients designers or are they people Mm -hmm. who are not designers? Mm -hmm. Like, and what are, what do people who are not designers actually want to identify with and see and care enough about to follow them? Like we know we have like people who are our clients who follow us and who will like, comment like and dm us uh, like being like haha or being like oh my <laughs> god i love this or whatever because they're actually like identifying with us as people and not like with us as a like like character or something sales yeah. <laughs> organization like and people online hate being mm-hmm. sold to like you know instagram has so many ads coming and at influencers you. and like they don't yeah. need you to like it, you know if you're trying to work with them like you don't get it by selling to them maybe you do but like we haven't been successful doing that so i don't know and then mm-hmm. uh, yeah so are you appealing to just thought. other designers or are you appealing to people as a whole yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's a good approach to take mm-hmm. to it so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, because I'm looking at your Instagram page now and, I mean, just a quick glance out of the first <laughs> nine images that pop up in my li- – I had to count. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> out of the first nine things that pop up, only two are actual client work. I, At least I think <laughs> only two are and, – and they're both – just takes on the same thing where it's for the Medici coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was then, uh, two projects so, we did for them. I, I mean, I even have to look, let's see. <laughs> yeah. It's the tote bag and then the Perry thing. And then the orange. Yeah. And then the, the, uh, Oh yeah. The stuff Sammy's. I did for populace, some stuff we did for a hotel. Yep. Um, yeah. So I could go. Yeah. You just board. can't tell. You just can't tell. Yeah. No. And you, you have a very unique style as well, <laughs> where it's, you can definitely tell it's you who did it. And that, that's, that's good. <laughs> like, I mean, I feel like, cause I'm certainly one of those designers where I don't have a unique style. I'm very versatile mm-hmm. as, and I'm sure you are too. Don't get me wrong. But as far as what you're showing is a very unique style. And I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. I need to be better about that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really do think, um, you know, it's really hard. I did spend a ton of, a ton of time um, doing only what my clients wanted. They're like, I want it like this. And I'd be like, OK, and I'd make it like that. 
And then everything ends up looking the same after a while. I know Austin has this like huge epidemic of like this like homogenous like design style that kind of looks like a trendy beer can and then everybody's doing it. Mm -hmm. And then even like if you're trying not to subconsciously as a designer, you'll start making all your stuff look like that. So we try not to follow other designers on Instagram, even if they're our friends. Like I got to mute them. Uh, because your subconscious is so powerful. You will just end up (laughs) changing your entire style. Yeah. Well, I was like, I've got a completely separate, like I've got my own personal Mm -hmm. account where I follow people and things like that. And it's, it's a wide mix of people. Like it's just friends who aren't even designers and stuff like that. So it's, you know, pictures of their kids or their beach vacation or whatever. And then we've got our business. Technically I have three. I've got the (laughs) podcast page. Yeah. And that's mostly I just follow people who have been on the podcast or I want to get on the podcast. <laughs> and then we've got our business one and that's followed just people I want to work with, yeah. you know, other designers and things like that. But I only really look at one of the feeds because I notice if I go look at like if I look at the podcast feed for too long, I start getting too much. Ooh, I want to be like that. Yeah, it's so sort of hard. That comparison monster. Yeah, they're like comparison yeah. will kill you. It totally will, and it like affects your mental health. And it's just like no, like all the work we all do Definitely. is valid for different reasons. But it's so easy to feel like you know FOMO and like oh, why don't I get to like uh, you know? And yep. a lot of the big brands we work with, you know, are just like you know. Some of them are big projects. Some of them are small projects. But like you know, I I I worked with you know Budweiser or whatever. But I'm not like working with the CEO of Budweiser. I'm working with a department within Budweiser. But you know, people only think mm-hmm. about oh my god, they're working with the big brand. I hate myself. I didn't you know, uh, and you know, there's yeah. there's so much to the story, and a lot of people aren't. We try to be as transparent about our story as possible because it is possible for all of us to have these opportunities. They are out there and we want people to feel like they're attainable and they don't need to feel, you know, envy or bad about themselves for looking at our work. So we try to make our work, make people feel good. And you know, that this is a safe space, uh, within, you know, our good snake community and that, you know, I'm not here to be like, I'm better than you. Look at me. Like I I try not to do that. (laughs) I know. But there, Great job, Kayla. Let's get you a sticker. I know, right? No, but there's a lot of designers out there that are just like, I'm a badass. Look at how badass I am. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've all met of some of them. Yeah. Yeah, that aggravates me to no end. Exactly. The giant ego illustrator or giant ego designer and illustrator. Yeah. yeah so. Those people are a dime a dozen. <laughs> Absolutely. So So I have to I have to laugh because I'm looking at this and you've got this free Britney piece <laughs> that I just started laughing when I saw it and then I read it and I was like, oh, that kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I hadn't yeah, thought of we it. Tried it like we that. hadn't either. I, I and then we watched this. Um, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, you know, Britney is has been stuck in this like very screwed up conservatorship uh, system where you know just because you know she's had a really stressful life of people telling her what to do. And at age 26, you know, she had a mental breakdown, like, okay, who hasn't. Mm -hmm. But then for some (laughs) reason she lost her rights because she, you know, was having a hard time. And since then hasn't gotten them back and is heavily medicated. And, uh, 
you know, just has control. Her father has complete control over her, but she's still working. So, you know, if someone like, was yeah, if you weren't mm-hmm. doing really well, do you like and you had kind of like that much money, wouldn't you be taking a break? Like, wouldn't the people who care about your health be making sure that you're taking a break? Yeah. Yeah. There's a sick relationship. Yeah. yeah. And there's a, a this docuseries called Dirty Money. And there's an actually an episode on mm-hmm. conservatorships and they happen all the time. They're very predatory and. You know, they, they happen to people we know who are totally fine mentally, completely capable of taking taking care of themselves. And, you know, through this, we kind of wanted to bring light to that issue because, you know, especially, you know, elderly people, this happens a lot where people mm-hmm. just completely take advantage of them. And so this this is why we think this case is so important, and especially, you know, how a lot of people, you know, treat women's mental health. So, you know, we try to be like, you know, OK, mm-hmm. yeah, free branding. People are like, oh, ha, ha. and then they look and they're like wow, I didn't know this. I'm going to read more about it. And then, you know, you learn something new every day <laughs> through, yeah. you know, just good visual imagery. And conservatorships. I know I never thought about that till we stumbled mm-hmm. upon that episode of that documentary series. And it's like, yeah, it really, it's unpleasant things that you really would never have any reason to think about. But people who are stuck in those situations, uh, you know, they end up there and they don't know what to do because nobody talks about it or nobody's thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of uh, Keith Haring and he has a lot of great quotes and, you know, he's all about, you know, your, your function as artists is to communicate to everybody. And um, that's kind of what I feel, um, you know, my job is as an artist is not only to, you know, communicate in terms of, you know, design so people can sell things for, advertising value because art does have economic value but uh you know that we should also be communicating important messages like artist is communicator and that's that's our job so you know if Mm -hmm. i'm not doing that with my platform you know who am i really working for so you know i i try to you know really pay attention to what's going on in the world too and not just you know what makes money in advertising (laughs) Mm -hmm. i appreciate that because i i mean i'm i'm guilty of being a lot of times stuck in the, I want to post something and I want to say something, but then I'm like, wait, I run a business. I don't want to run off a client because I'm expressing my Mm -hmm. opinion too much. And I'm glad that glad to see that y'all don't feel hindered by that. Oh, and we, we have at times, uh, initially, but then I'm like, why this is my business uh you know i did what, this yeah why else yeah. do i work for myself yeah i don't work for somebody else i don't mm-hmm. need to worry about this and if they don't like it they can leave but really we never lose followers uh when we're posting stuff about you know social justice issues or just like any important issues going on in the world because we've also created you know a base of clients and people who believe in what we're doing and you know, they let us be authentic and they want to be here because we're being authentic. And I think if everybody's, you know, more authentic, then they won't fear their clients as much. And you can have more of a genuine relationship in the creation process of whatever you're working on. And that's just better communication. And, you know, people, you know, shouldn't fear their clients. Yeah, it's it's so stressful. And and so it it cannot be. (laughs) But think of how many clients might actually not be working with you right now who, might be looking for somebody with your mindset or your outlook. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when you put that out there, maybe if they have the choice between somebody who they identify with and somebody they don't identify with, then they might just 
find, you know, find more of a reason, more points in your favor. So yeah. for those clients that well, you yeah, might I'm lose. Never gonna, I'm, I, I, yeah, I never want to work with the Confederate flag factory. So I think I'm safe. <laughs> yeah, from, uh, exactly. <laughs> you know, offending them. Perfect. I can see in Mobile, though, how that could be. harder yeah yeah, there's it's a lot more conservative here than it is in austin and 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 we're one of the more liberal places in the state of alabama which isn't saying much yeah baby steps (laughs) (laughs) yeah so as we're getting kind of close to our time and i want to wrap up with um some quick questions about food I'm going to hit you up one at a time. We'll start with, and they're the same questions. So Hannah, you get the advantage here because you get to go second. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you have time to think. Uh, Kayla, real quickly, what um, what's kind of your first food memory? It can be good or bad. Oof, my first food memory, uh, I, I guess when I was a baby, um, I was eating Cheerios. And for whatever, mm-hmm. yeah, I just like, I have a weird flash of being an infant for some reason. I remember that. I remember being in my high chair and we had this gigantic Great Dane for whatever reason as the family dog. He was like 200 pounds. And I remember eating Cheerios and I purposely fling them on the floor so the dog could eat them. And, uh, cause I knew he would clean it up and I like, didn't want to eat the Cheerios. So I just like, mm-hmm. just smack him off the thing. That's my food memory. Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> What's your go-to comfort food when you've had just a shit chips, time? chips all the time. Chips? I could live on chips. Uh, yeah, I basically like to eat chips almost every day um yeah if i could eat nothing but that so i don't even know if it's a comfort food but i need it to survive <laughs> I think <Yeah>. it <laughs> and then what what is your death row meal uh death row meal okay well um i'm gonna have to say cheeseburger and french fries there's got to be a potato product in there and then something that's really greasy with cheese on it I fully respect <laughs> that answer. That would be mine as well. Absolutely. Hands down. <laughs> all right, Hannah, you're up. What is, what is your earliest food? I memory? feel like my answer to all three of these things is the same. So we'll just, <laughs> we'll just go uh, with no, that. No, no, no. Can't, can't be the same. Well, I'm sorry. It is. So uh, <laughs> when I was in preschool, I went to this preschool where they served us lunch and the mm-hmm. lunch that was the the cook at the preschool, her name was Miss Robin, and she was awesome. She gave great hugs, and she made the most amazing spaghetti. And um, mm-hmm. I would come home, and like my entire family would be like, "Oh my god, you smell so strongly of garlic! Get away! It was spaghetti day." I see that. Like, um, <laughs> so that was. That's my first memory was eating spaghetti that Miss Robin cooked all the time and loving it. And then my family being like, um, and then my second, the second answer was comfort food shit day spaghetti. You yeah. know, you eat so much. We eat so much pasta at our house. It's a little gotcha. <laughs> I just, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. We can't help it. I can't help it. But it's different um, kinds of pasta products. So like, is it lasagna? Okay. Or well, is that's it like, you know, 
It's straight up spaghetti for me. Like that's just it. Straight Noodles, up spaghetti would be it. Sauce okay. And, cheese. and then is that going to be your death row meal it too? Is. It's, it's everything I could want. <laughs> I think you probably so. could okay. eat spaghetti every day and be fine with it. Yeah, I could. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I try not to, but I could if I if I had my own choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like at a certain point, you're going to need a wheelbarrow to get around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like I could do that with chips if I'm not careful. <laughs> yeah, I could do it with cheeseburgers and fries. I, that's one of those that I just could eat every day and be happy. Because there's so many variations you could do on a cheeseburger, too. That's true. So. You just change up your toppings. Done. Yep, that's exactly it. You put a different type <laughs> yeah, of cheese like, on there, it's a different like, oh, burger. You're like, ah, blue cheeseburger. This isn't like the cheeseburger I had yeah. yesterday. So, so <laughs> what's... A little blackening seasoning <laughs> on the burger, you've got a black and blue burger, you know? What's your favorite cheeseburger? Yeah, what's yours? Oh, I don't know that I have a favorite cheeseburger. Um, but if I had to go out to eat here locally, my there's a restaurant called Butch Cassidy's. Um, that has a really good cheeseburger. It's nice and thick and juicy. And when you tell them you want it cooked medium, it actually comes out medium. Oh yeah, not medium well. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> oh man, is it like a so, like a hand you know formed patty hand formed or patty is it already? Yes, yes, okay. yeah. It is hand. Yeah. No, it is hand formed. It is not the take it out of the. It's not to take it out of the box from the Sam's Club frozen <laughs> yeah. special where it's a perfect circle. Yeah, Whew. that's what's up. Heck yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you all so much for taking the uh, time to chat with me today. Where can people find you online? Oh, multiple places. Um, We're very big on the gram. So you can definitely find us on Instagram at goodsnake. Uh, we, we're online, goodsnake.com. Um, is there anywhere else I missed? <laughs> I feel like that's pretty much it. We have a Facebook, but we don't really use it very much. And then we have a, a, a dribble that we really don't use Kayla. Oh yeah. That's not updated <laughs> at all. Uh, but that, you know, <laughs> just look for good snake and see where you can find us. No TikTok. Yeah, we're mostly, and if you type good in TikTok, Good no Snake, Twitter. you know, it'll be us and then pictures of Good Snakes. <laughs> you can't go wrong. I I got to tell you, just before I let y'all go, I am terrified of snakes. So. <laughs> You're not um, the first. Yeah, we, we do have a friend yeah. who's afraid of snakes, but she's okay with uh, how we depicted the snake. So she she does agree. <laughs> oh, your depiction of the snake is perfectly fine. I, just real real snakes bother me. I can watch a snake on TV and be fine and things like that. But if I see a real snake, I am terrified. You might be less afraid if you Google um, scaleless snakes. <laughs> That's definitely worth looking up after this. Um I'm not sure that I want to. <laughs> they just like, you just feel sorry for it. You're like, oh, you're just a noodle. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank y'all yeah, so, so much. And go out and break some bread. Yeah, thank look, you for having us. forward to it. Yeah, thanks. Thank you to Wireframe for supporting this episode of Feasting on Design. 
make sure to search Wireframe in your favorite podcast app, like the one you're using right now. I've included a link in the show notes where you can find them and listen to more episodes of Wireframe. You can find out more about Good Snake on Instagram at Good Snake. And be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with them. I hope you liked this episode of Feasting on Design. Let me know what you think. And if you like it, leave me a review over on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Feast on Design. And I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram, or over on my website, IldisDesign.com.